Hello, friends of the internet. Thank you for joining me here on the internet. And welcome to the very first episode of my show. This is Rage of Awareness, a show about all things fun and cool. Woo! And I'm your host, Nicoletta Vitici. Or you could call me Empress Nicoletta, whatever your heart desires. I'm not sure if I should do a little intro about myself to start. I feel like it would make this a little bit more personal, even though I would prefer to not be fully perceived at this very moment. This is why I actually decided to just do audio for this episode instead of video, because, yeah, anxiety. You know, sometimes I really don't know what to say when someone's like, Oh, tell me about yourself. Uh, what would you like to know? Would you like to know my trauma or what kind of cereal I like? So let's just keep this simple and easy just to start. I'm just going to name off my top three favorite things that I'm into at this moment. So say I'm like, I'm really into applesauce right now it's really good it's like very addicting like I can't get enough of it and there's these little pouches that I discovered and it's just so it's it's a game changer it's so convenient I'm like eating apple applesauce when I'm driving all the time now um I'm also into changing my hair color just been obsessing with wanting to get it change because I have I've had pink hair for two years now and I'm I'm just over it so I guess I'm really into change right now changing my hair specifically which I'm going to be doing this week I'm really excited and then I'm I'm also really into loving my dog Jupiter because he's my son and I just love him and I think we might have a little of a codependent relationship with one another but it's okay but yeah, that was fun, sharing a little snippet of my life and my interests. But enough about me. So in general, the whole gist of the show, I just want this to be a safe space for not only myself, but for other like-minded individuals out there who just really just enjoy questioning the realms of our existence and all the mysticism and theories that surround it. If you've made it this far, that means you're energetically aligned with me and the universe wants you to listen to the rest of this episode and tell all of your friends how great I am. Anyways, I'm really excited to finally talk about this topic, mostly because it took me a long time to do this research because uh, probably weed. But then also because this topic got a lot more informational than I expected it to be. But we are here. And I just want to say I'm really proud of myself. And I'm proud of you. Yes, you listening for whatever amazing thing you're doing, hopefully. And I just want to take a moment right now. And I just want to reflect on all the past versions of ourselves and think about the type of person it has molded all of us into today. Because everything has led you to where you are right now in this exact moment. And that is having me whispering in your ear. Hi. I love you. Okay, no, but I'm serious. If you feel good and content, I love that for you. And I want you to cherish that feeling. If you feel like shit, though, that's okay, too. I'm serious. Embrace that feeling regardless. And I'm going to tell you why. Because today, we are going to be talking about the dark feminine energy. The power that comes with tapping into it. Now, everyone can actually benefit from working with their dark side. Dun, dun, dun. Cue the scary music. Okay, so this one-sided conversation we'll be having isn't going to be as spooky as you might think. 
I really do hope you all find this topic to be insightful, though, because in my opinion, this is something that I think can help a lot of people heal and just be able to face parts of themselves that they don't really like. Because self-hate, yeah, she could be very scary. And my goal here is to provide anyone who cares with the knowledge and wisdom to become an overall more balanced, more conscious, and more empathetic person. Because the world needs more people like that. If you don't find any of this to be insightful to you, maybe you're just not consciously at a place in your life to take this information in and fully understand it. And that's okay. Maybe one day you will be, or maybe in another lifetime. We'll talk more about past lives and karmic lessons in a different episode, though. So there is one more thing that I would like to bring up before I start. Because there's a lot of people out there in the world, especially people on the internet, who don't know the difference between an opinion and a fact. And just think that their opinion is right and anything opposite of that is wrong. I just think it's such a weird way of thinking. You know, just viewing the world as just black and white. And that there can't be more than one way to approach life. Um, life is so complex. Like, I'm sure there's parts of life that's simple. Like making coffee in the morning. That's simple. But doing the work... You know, the work that we're going to be talking about, yeah, that's going to be a little more complex. I'd also like to say that if you don't agree with being open to understanding dark energy, that's okay, and I respect it, but I do encourage everyone to at least try to be open-minded to the idea, because dark energy doesn't always mean something negative and evil. Now we're going to explain that a little better because there are so many of us out there that were raised to think this way. I forgot to mention this about myself, but I did grow up being raised Catholic, but no longer practice the religion or I'm a part of it because, you know, religious trauma. But I still try to respect anyone who practices a religion because everyone's experience with it is different. I do still consider myself to be a spiritual person, though. I just don't like being put in a category of any type of belief system. Also, if you aren't a bad judgmental religious person, I respect you even more. I rate you 8.5 out of 10 in my book. Even though there are a lot of aspects of major religions that I don't agree with. Like, you know, the shaming you of anything that is not considered to be good in their eyes. And shame is super fucked up if you think about it. I rate shame zero out of ten and we can't forget that the epitome of these major religions are these outdated patriarchal viewpoints that just gotta go okay first of all i want to ask who gets to define the feminine divine who in general a lot of people don't know any standards for goddesses other than those created under patriarchy before i dive deeper into this when i'm talking about major religions i'm Mostly referring to Catholicism, Christianity, all those other subgenres underneath that, Islamism, and a little bit of Judaism. I'm sure there are people out there who have a more modern approach to these religions, and that's great because remember, I respect you if you're a good, religious, non-judgmental person. Very nice rating in my book, 8.5 out of 10. Remember that. But we're still going to get nitty gritty and talk about some important stuff. A few common characteristics you'll see from these religions are that they're very patriarchal, anti-feminine, and they tend to only focus on the quote-unquote light regarding the idea of light and darkness. The patriarchal aspect of these religions, I don't think I need to explain that part at all. It's just pretty obvious. We can all just agree and leave it at that. Right, guys? So next, being anti-feminine. Oh, yeah, duh. The reason I say this is because there's always an ideal type of woman that is praised in these religions. You know, the modest, submissive, virgin-like, innocent type that must be perfect. And anything opposite of that is considered to be bad and shameful. And let's not forget how women from these areas of the world where these religions are prominent are usually seen as second class or never seen as fully equal to their counterparts. 
And I'm not hating on women who connect to this specific idealism at all. But who do you think created that version of how women should act like? I think we all know the answer to that one. Obviously, there are a lot of people in the world, especially in my little bubble that I surround myself with, who don't think that way, which is great for me, especially, because why would I surround myself with people who don't respect me and see me as the all-powerful mystical entity that I know I am? But the ones with the war perspective... Yeah, they're still out there and a lot of them are in positions of power and are continuing to enforce your outdated ideas onto others who are just not as independent of thinkers or just don't know any better. It's absolutely terrifying. And the last thing I want to talk about before we talk about what the fuck dark feminine energy is all about is that these religions also tend to focus the majority of their belief system on the light, which would be stuff like love, peace, joy, harmony, compassion, but then completely ignoring or even condemning the darkness, which would be anger, fear, shame, jealousy, control, lust, you know, all that fun stuff. And all these characteristics are considered to be associated with either negativity or just being straight up evil. Do you know what happens when you avoid those aspects of yourself out of fear? Well, let me tell you. The reason why I'm specifically focusing on the feminine aspects of dark energy is that, one, because I connect more with the feminine. So obviously I'm going to relate this back to my own experiences somehow. But then just in general within societal standards, it's something that has been repressed in a lot of us for a very long time. I'm talking about generational repression that needs to finally be addressed at this point. We don't really have a choice. We all need to break the cycle that's going that's been going on for so long now. Also, no one talks about how the matriarchy fuels the patriarchy and toxic masculinity in certain parts of the world. It's fucked up. So when I'm talking about dark feminine power, everyone has it, whether whether you're in touch with it or not. It doesn't matter what you identify with gender wise or if you don't identify with the gender at all. Everyone has both masculine and feminine energy and power within them. We all just connect with it in different ways. So if you think you can't relate to any of this, you actually can. And I want you to claim it. Because dark feminine energy is a shadow side of the feminine. It is dark, positive, and necessary energy that captures the mysteries of feminine power and magic. It's chaos. It's destruction. It's even creativity. It's the idea of death and rebirth. But also transformation, rage, compassion, and just pure spiritual ecstasy and revelation. You can see examples of dark feminine that is shown in different goddesses from different religions and practices, such as Kali, Lilith, Hakat, Isis, Tara, and even the Black Madonna. There's so many other goddesses from other parts of the world. I'm just not going to list them all because there's a lot. But my two favorite goddesses that I feel most connected to would be Kali and Ishtar. If you know me, you know I have a huge tattoo of Kali on my stomach. You know what that's called? Dedication, homies. So for those who aren't really familiar with these goddesses, let me just give you a little background info on them because why not? So Kali is probably one of the most misunderstood dark goddesses because her story is more complex than the typical Western narrative of good versus evil because she embodies both. In her astral aspect, She's associated with the planet Saturn because she's the mother of time. When I think of Kali, I see her as an embodiment of a creator and a destroyer. She's associated with sexuality, violence, and in some later traditions, motherly love. Her origins trace back to different cultures in South Asia and are actually talked about more in different parts of the world now. I'm sure most of you have seen the iconic imagery of Kali with her tongue sticking out wearing skulls around her neck with a severed head in her hand, basically the embodiment of raw, unmasked rage. For anyone who doesn't know the interpretation behind the imagery, or even as a goddess in general, the automatic assumption is that she's evil, especially in the eyes of the religions I've previously mentioned. The Hindu goddess is considered to be the goddess of death, but the idea of death in the stories about her is more so about the death of the ego as the illusionary self-centered view of reality. 
Her story doesn't worship death, but reinforces the awareness that our bodies are just temporary. The story of Kali is somewhat of a long one, but I'm going to try and simplify, okay? She came to save the world in a time of chaos and darkness. And during the super climactic point of the story when Kali just loses her shit because she's just over the world being so chaotic, she just said, fuck it, I'm going to destroy everything. Trying to fight the demons of the world, she ended up getting hypnotized for her own internal rage and power. It wasn't until her darkest moment that she experienced unconditional love from Shiva. And that's when she became herself again and came back into consciousness. So the message I got from this story is that in order to feel balanced and just heal the darkness inside us, is to just approach it with acceptance and just unconditional love. It really puts it into perspective, you know, we're, we're just a manifestation of Kali and Shiva trying to find balance within ourselves. Obviously, we take whatever message from a story and tie it back into our lives. But if you find anything about Kali interesting, do your research, connect with her, because why not? She's so badass. The next goddess that I'm going to be talking about is my girl Ishar, who is also known as Inanna throughout history. It's a little confusing, but basically the story of Ishar comes from the Akkadians and the story of Inanna comes from the Sumerians. Both groups of people came from Mesopotamia. I think that's how you pronounce it, but just different regions of it. Also, modern day Mesopotamia would be regions of Iraq, Kuwait, Turkey, and Syria, if anyone was wondering. She is also known as the goddess of sex, love, and warfare. In an astral aspect, she is the planet Venus, the morning and evening star, whatever that means. I still need to look that up. So Ishar isn't actually considered to be a dark goddess, but is referred to be the queen of heaven and earth in her story. But her journey and her story in general is just one that's pretty interesting. And that's why I'm telling you all. So the story goes that she descends into the underworld to try to restore fertility on earth. Again, trying to save the world. Damn, maybe this is why so many femmes have this weird savior complex. Hmm. Okay, anyways, I'm getting distracted here. So during her journey into the depths of the underworld, she ends up having to remove a piece of her like possession at each gate of the underworld. So basically having to remove a piece of clothing each time she would descend even deeper. When she reaches the gate completely naked at this point, she ends up face to face with her dark twin sister whose name is way too hard to pronounce so I'm not even going to try. And Ishtar ends up getting stuck in the underworld because her twinny takes all her powers away from her by killing her and just keeps her trapped by not being able to ascend. What a bitch. So because Ishtar was basically taken over by darkness, all life on earth went to shit. But then when she was reborn, it's basically a combination of her and her sister. She went back and got vengeance on her asshole partner who just didn't care that she was even gone. But there's an important message to this really positive and happy story that I'm getting at. Ishar was already powerful and knowledgeable in her own sense of being the queen of heaven and earth. But she needed to learn about the knowledge of death and darkness in order to complete her wisdom. There's been interpretations of the story that her twin sister is actually the other half of herself. And when they meet, although there's obviously some issues because her twin kills her, but in order to become completely transformed, she had to die in order to be reborn. Do you guys see where I'm getting at here? For Ishar to feel complete, she had to go through this hard journey of separating herself from things that no longer served her, become vulnerable as fuck. And face the dark side of her that kills the version of herself that she no longer fully embodied. In order to create the balance we so desperately need for the whole world, we have to bring back these stories of these badass goddesses who go on these journeys with the intention to try to save the world. 
but end up discovering they need to save themselves first. There's so many other goddesses that I want to learn about and connect to, especially ones that come from my own origins and ancestors, such as Aura, the goddess of rebirth from Balkan folklore, and Marana, the goddess of death from Slavic folklore. Even if these stories are so wild and clearly not derived from any logic, the way I see it, it's about what you take from them and how you use their lessons in your own journey. I'm trying really hard not to repeat myself, but sometimes I'll do that. But like I've been saying, darkness in general has always been associated with something evil and bad. But that idea and that association goes so much deeper than that. Naturally, a lot of people will suppress that aspect of themselves that is condoned to be quote-unquote bad which ends up causing a lot more issues than most people might think. We all have a dark side whether we want to fully accept it or not. And it's called our shadow self. I don't know, maybe you should, you know, get to know that part of yourself. Yeah? So next I want to talk about the types of behaviors you'll usually see from someone who isn't in touch with their dark feminine or even their shadow self in general terms. I find this to be pretty fascinating because there's an actual psychological understanding behind this too. Within the ideas of spirituality and mysticism, I'll try to find any sense of logic sometimes if there is any, but you know, sometimes there just isn't and I've just accepted that. But when it comes to our shadow self and the dark feminine energy, we end up repressing those parts thinking it will protect us, but in the grand scheme of things, it ends up doing a lot more harm than good. And I'm talking about this from a place of personal experience too. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. You know, for me, it's been pretty hard and also uncomfortable at times trying to figure all of this out and heal from it. But again, so necessary in my own journey, and that's why I feel pretty passionate about talking about this and just wanting to get the information out there into the world. So if you can relate to any of these behavioral characteristics I'm going to list, I really want you to claim it because my loves, it's yours and you can't hide from it forever. Number one being a projector which basically means you're not consciously aware of what's buried deep within you and a lot of times your feelings end up warping your perspective into thinking the people around you are unconsciously how you view yourself number two being an overall very clingy person and not being able to view yourself as an independent whole entity without the approval of another person just overall very codependent behavior and also using sex to control another person. Number three, lacking confidence, being insecure as fuck and using your ego as a shield that keeps you thinking that you're never in the wrong and everyone else around you is to blame. Number four, manipulating others instead of speaking your truth out of fear of rejection, and or using anger and shame as a way to get what you want from those around you. Number five, having no self-awareness or control over your emotions, being fine one moment, then lashing out and having an emotional outburst that leaves you feeling confused and exhausted the next. Can you relate to any of these behaviors? Because I know I can. You know, I admit it, I can be a fucked up shitty person at times, especially when I look back at past versions of myself. (sighs) Yeah, but I can't act like I don't know her because I am her. And you are you, all the parts of you, even the ones that you don't want to claim. The idea of the shadow self was first introduced to the Western world by Carl Jung who is probably one of my favorite psychologists, especially when it comes to his dream work. 
The reason why I want to mention the psychological perspective first is the way that I see it, it's kind of the foundation of this idea. You know, the logical side grounds us on reality, right? And Jung describes her shadow self as the unconscious and disowned parts of her personalities that the ego refuses to see, acknowledge, and accept. Remember when I mentioned earlier we consciously think we're protecting ourselves from our dark side? But actually, that's just the ego being a little bitch. The idea of our shadow self is created in our childhood, sort of as a byproduct of certain interactions that at the moment was confusing and hard to understand and process because we were all just a bunch of dumb, clueless kids. And I want to tie this back to the outdated patriarchal viewpoints that I had mentioned earlier because that ends up confusing the shit out of us when we were kids. You know, like a lot of boys are taught to not be in touch with their feelings, which ends up causing a lot of toxic masculinity and just being completely out of touch with the divine feminine in general. And the same thing can also be said by how girls are brought up too, more so when it comes to dark feminine and just not being able to associate our emotions with anger and just all the other things that are suppressed like that I just mentioned. I'm just not going to list them off again because remember, I'm trying not to repeat myself. But yeah, all those things are just like, what the shadow self knows all too well. By working with our shadow selves, we can understand what we truly want and desire and what we've been depriving ourselves of. When we repress or disown our shadow self, it actually grows in power and can eventually turn on us by sabotaging every aspect of our lives. Our shadow self is the reason we do certain things in life without understanding why we do it. It creates inner fragmentations that ends up causing more confusion. And that's why transformation and shadow work is painful, yet very necessary. Think about the stories of Kali and Ishtar I just mentioned. If any of you know anything about tarot, the idea of transformation, it relates to one card that, I, that comes to mind, and that's the death card. And anytime I've given readings in the past, in that sometimes that card will come up and it's really funny because the reaction I'll get when that card shows up on some in someone's spread it's always the same it's very it's very fearful and confusing but the idea of death in the world of tarot it translates to the idea of rebirth and change and something that's going to be hard at first but it's something that's needed in order to go further into your journey. So think of it that way. If you can think of it that way, it's just a good analogy that I thought of. So when you learn to properly process your emotions instead of repressing them, that's when you'll be able to transform dark feminine energy into your own empowerment. And once you connect to that power of the dark feminine, you're literally transforming that energy into divine light, which is the goal here. Remember, light doesn't exist without darkness. So we all just have to learn to love and appreciate the darkness and chaos that lives within all of us. So now you're probably telling yourself right now, damn, Nicoletta, how the fuck am I even going to get in touch with my shadow self and my powerful and divine dark feminine energy? Well, let me show you my beautiful dark twisted transcending friends. Like I had just briefly mentioned, shadow work is going to be top priority. The goal of shadow work is integrating your unconscious and subconscious mind into full awareness. Some simple ways to begin shadow work is by first looking back into your childhood because remember the shadow usually has its roots in your childhood. Inner child healing is a lot of work. One thing that I like to do is just look at old photos of myself as a kid just to remember and connect more with that part of myself again. And there's so much more that goes into inner child healing but I might just do a mini episode possibly. We shall see. Next is becoming aware of your shadow and reflecting on those parts of yourself. 
Awareness is so important. Seriously, this is why I'm here speaking into your ear to tell you that I want you to grow and become a better person and get your ass up and work. Embody full force awareness, rage of awareness. This is why it's my first episode. We're building the foundation here. And once you become aware, the next step is to not shame your shadow or blame it for anything. The world is already tough and full of misery. That doesn't mean you have to be angry with yourself too. Sometimes I think of the saying of, about how the world needs more love and compassion. Well, that love and compassion needs to start internally first, my loves. Okay, this next one is kind of funny to me because I'm always saying I'm so triggered right now when something reminds me of a traumatic time in my life. But within the realms of shadow work, there is a form of encouragement to actually use your triggers. I guess now that I'm thinking about it this seems more of like a form of exposure therapy maybe so instead of associating triggers with something negative such as a bad memory it's about associating that with either a message or an invitation to dive deeper into your unconscious i was actually speaking with a friend about this phenomenon recently about how you could be out in public somewhere and sometimes We'll be able to just tap into other people's conversations or just like listening to something. And whatever that conversation is, it ends up relating back to our lives in a way, in a way like feeling like it's a message to us. And I'm sure a lot of us maybe have experienced something similar. Maybe what I'm trying to get at here is what if anytime we feel triggered by something, we relate it back to that phenomenon accepting it as a message to heal from it instead of getting upset and pushing it down further into our subconscious. By doing this, it gives us the opportunity to step back from the expected emotional reaction and just observe it instead of living through it. So once we're at a place where we can handle just observing ourselves, next is trying to really not judge our shadow self. And it's so easy to criticize and reject And that's what's going to be hard. This is not just going to be a one-day journey. This is something that needs to be worked on probably until the day we die in hopes of connecting with our divine versions of ourselves. Exploring and getting in touch with our shadow self is like building a new friendship with someone. Yeah, we're going to become best friends with ourselves. And there's different ways to get to know how to become besties. With art being the greatest form of expression... Yes, this is coming from Artiste herself. It's actually a really effective way of letting your shadow manifest itself in different ways. And it's about the intention you put into the blank canvas before you begin. Asking yourself, aka your shadow self, what do you want me to note right now? And to be honest, you don't even have to be good at drawing or painting to do this. You just need to find a medium that you connect to. For me personally, I really like collaging. When I first started, I actually did see it as a form of therapy because I didn't have any expectations during those moments of creating. I would just be drawn to certain images I'd see, and once I would create a collage, I would just look at whatever I made at the time and just try to make sense of my feelings and just try to gain a better understanding of myself, whether that was reflecting on a memory that came to mind, a certain feeling. I think it was about being able to view it in a physical, abstract way that brought a lot of comfort and healing. And if you feel drawn to this or if this is something that is interesting to you, I would encourage you to do it too because it's fun and it's nice making things. But if art isn't your thing, I totally get it. There are other options. Writing is another form of being able to build a relationship with your shadow self, either in the sense of writing fictional stories where you're able to project your shadow elements onto different characters, or even by keeping a journal recording both the good and bad emotions that you have. By doing this practice, we learn to look at ourselves in an almost non-biased way. Especially when you go back and reread these stories or journal entries, it can help recover the balance that's needed in life by accepting both sides. I really don't have much to say about this practice because it isn't something that I've really delved into myself. 
especially the journaling part, mostly because I would always feel too ashamed to write down my most insane thoughts or feelings pretty much out of fear of someone reading it one day. But do you see here? This is what I've been talking about. I don't feel comfortable writing out my dark thoughts and emotions all due to the bullshit I was taught and I'm trying to unlearn. Damn, okay. As I was doing my research, I've been learning too. Yes, the teacher's also the student here and I'm just learning and healing with all of you. The final practice within shadow work that I think is most difficult is the projection technique and I'm going to tie in mirror work into this too. Projecting was one of the top traits of someone with an imbalanced dark feminine or out of touch shadow self because projecting at the very heart and soul is a shadow because it's how it hides and protects itself. It protects itself by projecting qualities of ourselves we dislike onto others so we don't actually have to deal with it ourselves. In order to practice the projection technique, it's all about just using the world as a mirror. It's like looking at what we secretly like or dislike in other people, entertainment outlets, and even situations and just asking yourself why and reflecting on that. Think about all the things you're drawn to and that you like and then all the things you dislike and reflect on why you're so drawn to that specific character, but then repulsed by the other. So once you start to view the world as a mirror, the next thing you do is look in the damn mirror yourself and do the mirror work. It's pretty simple, but also very uncomfortable for many. The only thing you need to do for this practice is to go sit in front of a mirror and stare at yourself and make eye contact for at least five minutes minimum. Easy, right? Uh, no. The feelings a lot of people get are either feeling unsettled, emotional, or even embarrassed, followed by either moments of self-criticism or self-loathing. It's that moment of staring directly into our own eyes and not being able to hide the type of a relationship we have with ourselves. Do you ever remember hearing the saying, the eyes are the mirrors to the soul? I mean, it holds true, especially when it comes to this practice. But when we get to the point where that self-critic or self-loather comes out, it's almost seen as a doorkeeper before reaching the deeper psyche. This comparison reminds me a lot of Alice in Wonderland when she tries to open that one door but has to shrink herself in order to get through. But in this sense, the only thing we're shrinking here is our insecurities and self-resentment, folks. It's practice and it's commitment. It's all about learning to have self-love and more compassion for our own self. And I'm not going to get that much deeper into mirror work. But using affirmations to soften that doorkeeper in order to heal is a great tool to use. Remember, your shadow is a part of you. It doesn't define who you are as a person. Okay, so I'm personally annoyed of this next way of tapping into the dark thumb, mostly because I just keep seeing it as a way for everyone to solve all the world's problems, apparently. But that practices meditation. I'm sure you have all seen that word being thrown around and stomped on all the time now, mostly because I think people use it as a cop-out mechanism when it comes to trying to find a solution to someone's problems. Well, why don't you just meditate? Okay, first of all, it's not always that simple, especially how does anyone expect someone to feel like they can meditate when they haven't even done any healing or gone through any form of awareness or enlightenment? For them to just get to a point of saying, yes, let me just sit here and try to clear my thoughts, even though my thoughts are what are slowly killing me every single day. But don't get me wrong. Meditation is really amazing, especially if you're in a good headspace where you feel some sort of peace in that moment. For me personally, I'll get this tingly feeling all throughout my body and this buzzing sensation in my head, and I just feel really light, almost floating in general. I like to think I'm connecting with my higher self, angels, and spirit guides in these moments, even in a sense feeling connected with not only everything around me, but what's most important is feeling connected to that present moment. So I definitely think all of these practices can be used and tapped into interchangeably, 
and this journey isn't going to be linear. There's no rule book that tells you exactly how it's done because everyone is different and will find whatever works for them. And I hope you find what works for you too. Also, mantras are great too. They're similar to affirmations. I used to think they were stupid until I found one that I really liked. And I'll say it in moments of high stress and emotional turmoil until I feel better. But that's just me. Okay, next I want to get deeper into the magical side of tapping into a dark feminine, which is super cute and fun, but certain practices will require you to go into it with protection and also trust. When I'm talking about magic, I don't mean I'm going to teach you how to be a witch that flies in the air with a broom or even a magician with some really bad magic tricks, but I am going to go over how rituals can get you to a place where you can tap into your own power. I want to say, though, I don't really like to consider myself a witch always just because the word is just being so overused right now and anyone can just call themselves a witch to fit this internet persona and they tend to see it more as a silly hobby instead of a tool to better their lives. But who am I to judge? I take all the baby witches out there over delusional religious cult followers any day. And you know, I, I'm really trying so hard not to be the hater that I was raised to be, but I just really hate crazy religious people that try to force their beliefs on others. It's just annoying as fuck. I really don't care if you don't believe in anything that I've been saying throughout this entire episode. I, I really don't because I know everyone's on a different path and I'm not going to be that person that's going to save the world from itself. Because I'm just a silly little human here with the unsettling desire to find my place and purpose in this existence. And I'm also trying to put my film degree to use without having to work with other people. Okay, anyways, when I was doing my research trying to find any rituals to tap into specifically the dark feminine, I couldn't find much besides rituals for just the divine feminine in general. And the rituals for the Divine Feminine, like they're great too, but this episode's mostly focusing on the Dark Feminine, so I'm just trying to keep it consistent. The first ritual I'm going to mention, I actually haven't done myself, mostly because I think I'm so afraid of doing that stupid Bloody Mary thingy in the mirror when I was a kid. But again, this is something I'll just add to the list of stuff I need to work on. And this list is getting very fucking long. But when it comes to magic, the moon and its phases really does affect us in a very profound way. I find it pretty comical that so many people think that the planets and the moon have absolutely no effect on us energetically, even though astrology is one of the oldest methods of understanding the universe. But I'm just going to leave that topic for another episode before I get carried away and start ranting. Okay, so back to the moon. Yes, she is feminine, emotional, mysterious, and full of wisdom. She's also a beautiful force that can help us either connect more consciously with ourselves and set intentions through, or even help us recenter our lives and just release aspects of our lives that just no longer serve us. Like, I really can't believe how special and powerful she really is. I remember as a kid... My mom would tell me that if you looked up at the moon long enough, you would see the face of a beautiful woman. And I'll never forget that feeling I would get when I would stare at the moon until I'd believe I'd actually see a woman's face on her. The chances are, I was probably hallucinating a little after staring at it for so long, or maybe I even tricked myself into believing I saw it, because if my mom said she sees it, then why wouldn't I be able to see it too, right? But it's not about whether seeing a woman's face on her is the ultimate covering and understanding of the powers that she possesses, but it's more so the actual feeling I got when I felt connected to her in that moment. It felt almost hypnotic, and I didn't understand why because I was just a dumb kid thinking that there's an actual woman that lives on the moon whose face appears on the surface. But I do reflect on that moment. And any other time after that when I would look up and stare at her, I felt almost as the starting point of when I began to question everything around me. Okay, yeah, I was a deep thinker at a very young age. 
and I'm sure moments of dissociation when I felt like nothing was real probably got me to that point too. When it comes to the faces of the moon, she influences different energies and mystical aspects. The new moon or the dark moon represents rebirth and setting intentions. One simple thing that you can do during this time is by manifesting writing down goals or intentions because from an astrological perspective, it's the perfect time to start new beginnings. When it comes to rituals for the new moon in general, you'll see a lot of them tend to say the same thing. And that's to journal, but we already talked about that when it came to shadow work, so I'm not going to repeat myself. Dark feminine energy is actually at its most powerful during the dark moon. Although you can definitely manifest and set intentions during this time, with the dark moon being the closure of the cycle, it's also a powerful time to reflect and just overall cleanse ourselves. Like, think about it. All the people you have to interact with every single day, whether it's online or in person, we're constantly exposing our energy to people and they're exposing their energy to us. And we don't know what kind of energy a lot of people hold. That's why it's really important to do these cleanses as much as possible because we're all just sensitive and fragile entities even those who don't think they're fragile again that's your ego talking this dark moon ritual is the one that i had said i haven't tried yet because i'm a pussy but because it's during the time where dark feminine energy is at its most powerful it's used as a tool to cut ties and release yourself from things that no longer serve our life purpose and journey This ritual only requires either a black or white candle and a mirror. So the first thing you do is sit with a candle in front of a mirror so you can see your own reflection. When you light the candle, you're supposed to be in the dark. And that's the part that makes me feel... But after that, you basically call out any deity or goddess you feel connected to. But calling out for these powerful forces comes with caution. So only do it if you plan on respecting their presence or it could backfire. Once you call for them, think about all the negative elements you want to release yourself from. And when you're at an almost hypnotic or meditative state, you feel almost engulfed by your own emotions. That's when you're able to gaze into the mirror with just raw, unfiltered energy. Once you feel ready to release that energy, you can then drop your eyes to the candle's flame and send all those feelings and emotions into that flame. After you feel like you're at a point where all of your unwanted emotions have been absorbed by the flame, you'll need to stand up and back away from the mirror until you can no longer see yourself, but you have to keep the candle lit during this entire time. After that, You look up, think whatever deity or goddess you call for, and return to the candle to blow it out, but you can't look into the mirror before you blow it out. I'm not sure why you shouldn't look in the mirror. Just don't do it, okay? Because mirrors can be portals. And yeah, just don't do it. After you blow out the candle, remove it from your home by either throwing it out or burying it outside. Just don't reuse the candle after that. It seems simple enough, right? I would just say have some protection on you during that if you plan on doing this ritual. Black tourmaline is a great crystal that is used for protection. Also, salt is considered to be a powerful tool for protection. I always like to either sprinkle salt around me before doing a ritual because my energy is so open and vulnerable in those moments. And you don't know what kind of spirits can try to get a hold of your energy. Another phase of the moon that is very powerful is the full moon, and probably the most popular and adored by a majority of people. It's also a time when I feel like a lot of people tend to just be very emotional, and there's just chaotic energy in general. Full moon rituals are another powerful tool that can help us heal and understand ourselves on a deeper level. I actually really love doing full moon rituals because of how cathartic the experience always is. So I'm thinking I might just create a little slider post on my Instagram page with some step-by-step instructions on how to do this specific ritual. 
that I've been doing for a few years because it's pretty complex. There's just a lot of information. And I don't think anyone listening to this will try to remember everything I'm going to say. And that's a-okay with me. I mostly want to go over the other ritual with the mirror because it's new information. And I just thought it was worthy enough to be on the first episode because it was kind of spooky too. Obviously, there's so many different spells and rituals out there that you can learn and do in general. I'm just not going to sit here and explain all of them to you. So go to your local pagan store, read some books, and look on Google if you're interested in doing that, of course. I'll always encourage anyone to expand their knowledge and just learn new things. It's good for you. I promise. Trust me. Even though I have trust issues myself. So I think I've pretty much covered everything I wanted to talk about when it comes to tapping into the dark feminine, and I hope after listening to me for however long it's been, that you too now have the feminine urge to tap into your dark feminine and shadow self. There's one thing I would like for you all to take from this episode, it's that even when you do take moments of reflecting on pain, just remember that it is temporary and just try to focus on the lessons they could get out of it. Because we all hold a truth. I'm ta- I'm like I'm talking about the whole truth. Like we all hold the truth of the universe inside of us. It's just going to take some time to figure it all out. But we could do that together if you want. Again, I just want to say thank you so very much for taking the time out of your life even though time doesn't exist to listen to my podcast and I just really really appreciate it if you want to show me how much you care and love me share with your friends follow my instagram page at rage of awareness and last but not least be kind and patient to yourself that's all bye